Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 58, where in a moment we chat about workplace pensions with a special guest, Robert Cochran, who's a retirement expert from Scottish Widows. Like I said, that's moments away. But if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply by delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programmes today, we've covered mortgages and investments, pensions, credit unions, self-built homes, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. I would tell you, but I'd run out of breath. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at leaving money for loved ones. Now, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Uh, find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get it there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. Now, while you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Mellis. With me as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, as we occasionally do, we, we shake things up a little bit and bring in another voice, a guest expert to help us out by addressing various queries relating to their specific area of interest and knowledge. Today is one of those days. Robert Cochran is a retirement expert with Scottish Widows. Welcome, Robert. Ah, Good morning. Uh, a retirement expert. So I'm sure you're all across all the financial aspects, but does your retirement ex- expertise extend across the best deals for holidays to and retirement properties in Florida or mixing the best cocktails for a happy hour? I'm afraid it doesn't. No, <laughs> uh, I have been have been to Florida once, and I did watch James Bond drinking some cocktails at the weekend. <laughs> but uh, that's about as far as that goes. Um, tell us a little bit about your actual role, what it involves, and, and how long you've been working in that area. Yeah, sure. So I've been at uh, Scottish Widows for twenty years now, so a considerable length of time. And in all that time, I've been a pensions expert. And prior to that, I worked for some of the other big Scottish life offices, uh, and that's been going out seeing advisors a bit like Phil and helping them with the latest in pensions legislation. And for the last for the last few years, I've worked much closer with uh, employers helping them make sure that their employees understand their pensions. And, and that's actually involved going out on the road on a double-decker bus around the country where I met 7,000 employees wow. and dealt with all of their pension questions. So I've heard quite a lot of questions about um, pensions in the workplace. Okay, sounds right up our street for today's show. Now, today uh, we are looking at workplace pensions. And before we get heavily involved in this, I will state for the record, I am not, have never been, and unlikely ever will be, any kind of finance expert. That's Phil's thing. I'm here as a co-host, pretty much representing the customer in all of these shows. So Phil might go more in depth, but I'm definitely here to ask the basic stuff. So let's start, if we can, uh, by defining what exactly is a workplace pension. Well, a workplace pension is a group pension scheme of some arrangement that's been put in place in uh, by your employer. So your employer puts in a workplace pension. And since uh, since auto-enrolment came along, which was well, just a few years ago, we've now had 10 million employees enrolled into pension schemes. So in the past, you had to fill in an application form, say you wanted to join the scheme, and that would be you in the scheme. But what happened was lots of people weren't filling in those forms. So the government said, well, why don't we make it easier? Let's just say you're in the scheme. So when you join the employer, you're now in the scheme. And if you want to come out of it, you then have to fill in a form to come out. And since they brought flipped it on its head like that, you've found that the people number of people opting out was, was less than 10%. So a really small number. And we have a 
we've now got 10 million more pension savers. That's great. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much for coming on today, Robert. It's great to, to have you on. I'm sure John and myself have plenty of questions as we, we go through this. And we, we've touched on pensions a lot on the podcast over the some previous episodes, but this is the first time we've kind of really mentioned workplace pensions at all. So how do workplace pensions work, Robert? Uh, they work like any other type of pension. So it's really an investment vehicle. When you when you go and start working for a new employer, if you're earning over 10 grand a year and if you're aged over 22, then your employer will put you into a pension scheme. And there'll be a minimum contribution level, which is 8% of qualifying earnings. Some of that will come from you, some of it will come from the employer, and some of it will come from tax savings. So you put in and then the money's collected from you each month and goes into a pension. Now, although the employer sets up that pension scheme, it's in your name, it's your policy, but the employer has probably chosen who the scheme is with. Am, am I right in saying, Robert, that it starts off, the employer pays in, is it 4%, the employee pays in 3 and then they get tax relief on top of that, is that correct? Well, it's uh, it's... 3% from the employer, it's 4% from the employee, and then there's tax relief on top of that. Okay. So that makes up so that makes up 8%. And it's not always 8% of all your earnings. Sometimes it's called 8% of qualifying earnings, which is a band of earnings. So it's, a, it's quite important to find out what kind of basis your scheme's on as well. And are you able to top it up, Robert? I mean, can you pay extra into it if you want? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. You can pay your own contributions at a higher level. And we have lots of schemes that work work on that basis. And remember, what I've described to you there is the minimum contributions. Lots and lots of employers offer much more generous schemes than that. A question that comes up a lot is from, from people is, where should they invest their workplace pension? Do, do most When people's money goes in, does it tend to just go into default funds or can they select their own? Yeah, so more more than 90%, probably approach, approaching 95% of all the money that's in workplace pension schemes goes into the default funds. Now, that's not a bad thing. Default funds are designed for people uh, who, who are joining like a, a workplace scheme. They look after you pensions throughout your lifetime so they expect that you're going to be retiring at some point usually in your 60s and when you're younger they'll put you into you know funds that are in more risky assets which have better chance of return and as you get closer to retirement they'll phase you into more secure uh, funds so you've got less of that what we call volatility so less of that up and down within the funds and a bit more steady as you get close to retirement now if you're interested in investments yourself you can choose to invest your money within you know, a broad range of funds which are offered through most group pension schemes. And some providers will actually allow you to keep some in the default fund and some in your own choices. Um, so if you're interested in something like ethical funds, you might want to choose to put your money into those kind of funds or we've got you know there are religious funds like sharia funds so there's a whole range of different funds available but you're right uh, Phil that you know over 90% of people sit within the default funds. Phil's busy looking up now what episode uh, number of ethical funds was because we did, <laughs> we touched we touched on that at one point as well. How soon can you can you access your, your pension? But what's the earliest age for this? Well, I mean, workplace pensions are just like personal pensions. They're just a series of personal pensions, so exactly the same rules apply there. You know, currently the earliest age that you can access your pension fund is age fifty-five. Now we know that that's going to rise. Uh, in a few years' time, from 2028, it'll go up to uh, 57. And they're still trying to sort out the exact rules around that. And that will apply across all pensions. But yes, currently it's age 55. 
what, what you're actually seeing is quite a number of people that will actually take some money out of the pension scheme in their 50s, but continue working. So you're allowed to do that as well. You're allowed to access some of your pension money whilst you, whilst you continue to work. Um, and you're allowed to be within the scheme as well. But I'm sure Phil's probably done a show on that as well, because uh, <laughs> there's some complex rules there. Well, one of the things that, that I find, Robert, is that people move jobs an awful lot. So they'll, they'll go from one employer to another. It seems to be gone are the days where someone will be with one employer for 20, 30 years. But what happens if they leave one employer and go to another in regards to their pension? Yeah, so that's that's a really important issue, Phil, and one that we're uh, spending all, an awful lot of time on. Um, so what would happen currently is that the money that you had in that scheme will just be left in that scheme. It's your p- pension pot, but it's just left behind. So if you were working for xyz employer and you move to abc employer you'd have left a wee pot of money behind at xyz and you start accumulating a new one at abc but what you can then do is you could say i'd like to move that money across to come with me to abc so you would you would apply to do that and that's definitely something you can do but you're right it's definitely something we see in a lot more of so if i look at my dad he spent 38 years for one company started off you know uh, started off as a sparky trainee and then worked his way up the company 38 years so he had one big pension pot for that entire duration you're saying about people moving jobs more but what you're also finding a lot more of is people have slasher careers and i don't know if you know what a slasher career is phil never heard of that one before <laughs> well it's not as bad as it sounds <laughs> if you look if you look on linkedin you'll see that lots lots of people now have multiple careers at the same time so they're doing something for a part of their uh, part of their time they do slash I do something else so I might have a little business on the side I might work for an employer I might also have part-time work and we see a lot more of that if you look on people's LinkedIn profiles you'll see I do this slash this slash this slash this which is why they call it a slasher yeah. career uh, so they can be building up pots in all of those different places and then you know choose to bring that stuff together I, I noticed I mean it, it was pension awareness day just recently and I came across an article that you had written it was six tips to get on top of your pension if it's okay with yourself Robert is it okay if we go through them and I, I could maybe go through each of the tips and then I, I don't know you might have a few extra uh, comments yeah, to, sure. to go through if that was okay but um, I noticed tip one if you don't already have a pension then the very best day to start saving into a pension is today it's never too late uh, absolutely so that's that's one of my mantras the very, if you've not started saving, the very, very best day to start saving is today. Uh, and no, it's never too late because you're always going to get tax benefits for the money that you pay in. Uh, so one of the great, great things about an employer scheme is the employer is always going to be paying in as well. So if you think about it, um, we spoke there about an 8% contribution. It was costing you five, but in actual fact, a portion of that was coming from the government. So it's only costing you 4% to get 8% paid in. Right, so you're almost that, doubling your money straight away. Well, you, you, you are doubling your money, yeah. and if you're a higher rate taxpayer, it's not even costing you that much; it's costing yeah. you less. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, pensions are probably the, one of the best tax efficient savings that people can go into, and an employer, a workplace scheme, is even better. The the second tip that you've got is to to know how much money, how much you've currently got saved. Tell us why that's important. Right, well, I have three questions about pensions. And when we do Pensions Awareness Day, we've, I mean, it's, I mentioned that we'd, 
you know, I'd seen 7,000 employees. That was in one year. So we built up a good idea of what people's questions were. And people have broadly got three questions. The first thing that gets them interested in pensions to find out what they've got. Once I know what I've got, I then can start to think about it. Um, so what have I got? Is it enough? And what can I do next? That is our three questions. So the very first qu question is, what have I got? Find out what you've got, and then you can start planning the next phase. Tip three was kind of really following on for, from that. That was check how much your employer pays into your pension and make sure you're getting the maximum payment into the plan that the employer offers. But one thing that I would say there, we, we, do you get some employers that just pay the minimum and others that will offer a lot more? Do you, do you find that coming up quite a lot, Robert? Oh, loads, loads. Uh, and, and to be fair to most employers, they're keen for employees to take it, uh, to go in, you know, to get to a higher level. But the way the rules work is that they'll generally auto enroll people in on the minimum contribution. So you're in on your minimum contribution. In our case there, it might have been that 8% level. But the employer themselves will, will very often offer a higher level of contribution or maybe even a matching contribution if you as the employee pay a bit more. So, you know, in order to really make the most out of your pension, you need to find out what's on offer from your employer. Do they offer higher rates of contribution? Can you afford to pay a little bit more to get more from the employer? Because remember, it's free money uh, that they're offering you. Tip, tip four was a cracker. This, this was my favourite out the, the whole <laughs> lot of them. Tip four is try out the Scottish Widows Meet Your Future Self tool. So I went online and did this. So if you go to scottishwidows.co.uk slash your future self, they, there's a tool on there where you put in things like how much you're paying in, what age you want to retire, how much you want to, to retire on. But it's a, a fun tool and it also shows you a picture of you looking quite old. So um, I'll, I'll post my picture on the, the various social media channels. I'll need to send you the link, John, so you can do it as well, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cracker. But If mine um, comes back with just a box full, I'll be really upset. <laughs> but um, oh, it, it's it's an excellent tool. And I, I think Scottish Windows have got, well, it's good to have a bit of fun with it as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so originally that was something that we took out on that big double-decker bus going around the country and get people engaged and interested and show them what they look like when they're older. But it's actually a really a much more uh, practical side to it as well because lots of people don't understand the numbers they get from pension companies. They get these quotes through and it just doesn't make any sense to them. It's just a whole host of different numbers on it. They can't imagine what that means. So what we tried to do is say, right, you put in how much uh, you've currently got in your pension. So that what have I got piece, put in what you've got, put in what's gone into your pension from you and your employer. And then we'll, and then you tell us how much money you think you're going to need in retirement. And we'll age you to that age, the age that you're on track to get that, to get that income in retirement. And then what happens is you'll, you'll have noticed Phil that some sliders pop up. Yeah. So those sliders pop up to say, well, what if I paid a wee bit more in? And if you pay a wee bit more in, you can watch in real time as the wrinkles drop off your face <laughs> uh, in that age me thing. So, um, no, it's quality. And it, it, it's, it, it's really practical. And, it, and again, thinking about younger people, it's a great way to engage them. Do it on your mobile phone. It works much better that way. Yeah, I'll have to have a look on there. I have plenty of wrinkles because I've got six kids, so I blame them. <laughs> Hopefully my pension will be okay in years to come, but it's the kids that... But give me the wrinkles. <laughs> the tip tip five was get to know the state pension. Now, today we've been looking at workplace pensions, but I'm right in saying that the state pension is something that's going to be over and above that. 
It is indeed. And for most people, it'll be the biggest part of their retirement income, to be honest. So, so there's a couple of things there. First of all, when are you going to get it? You know, you, you used to know uh, 60 for a woman, 65 for a man. It's not, it's not anymore. Okay, so the, the ages are changing. So go on the government website. It's dead easy to find it. Uh, and input your details and you'll find out when you're due to get it. It's not an inconsiderable amount of money. You know, it's £179 a week, which is a fair fair portion of money. You know, what used to amaze me is that people would say, oh, I don't need to worry about the state pension. I've got 50 grand in my pension pot. Stop. Take You know, just take a minute. Do you know how much it would cost to buy that state pension? A 50 grand pension pot wouldn't buy it. You'd need to, you'd need to be selling, like, I mean, I live in Edinburgh. The size of a two or three bedroom bungalow in Edinburgh, the cost of that's about 350 grand. That's about the same price that you would need to buy that state pension. So 179 pounds, 60 weeks. So find out if you're on track to get that. Because particularly if you've not had a full full working career, you may have had some years where you've missed out national insurance contributions and you can top them up. So yeah, go on to the, go on to the government website, get to know your state pension, Log in your details, you'll, you'll need your government gateway, gateway ID and it will tell you exactly how much you're on track to get and when you're on track to get it. Definitely worth doing that. That's brilliant. Tip, tip six, which was the, the final out, the, the six tips was right. take an interest in your pension. Why, why would you say that's important, Robert? Well, look, your, your pension's going to be looking after you in your old age. So you really need to have an idea of what you're on track to get, how you can make the most of it. And, you know... It, are you going to have the lifestyle that you would like to have in retirement? Can you make some changes to, to help make sure that you do get the lifestyle you're, you'd like to have in retirement? So, yeah, get to know, talk to other people about pensions. You know, don't, don't leave it away in the, in the dusty corners. It's your future. Yeah, I think you're right, especially when you say that people didn't realise how much they need to, oh. to live comfortably. That, that's the thing I've found in my experience over the years, definitely. Every episode of this podcast, at some point, I get the fear. <laughs> Honestly, when I think, yeah, no, that's not the number that I've seen on my on my printout. Um, Robert, Phil has elevated you to a status not previously experienced by by any other guest in this podcast. He's invited you back for a future show. Now, I don't know if the um, after the first experience of us, that fills you with a sense of eager anticipation or fear and trepidation, but the ink's dry, so you can't back out now. We're going to look at pension tracing day uh, next time. Just give us a broad bones about what that is. Yeah, so we discussed earlier on about when you move jobs and you leave your pension pots behind you. You know, people are doing that more and more regularly. We've got the slasher careers, so they've got multiple pots all over the place. So pension tracing day is about actually stopping, taking a taking a, an hour or taking some time to go and track down those pots and make sure you don't lose track of them and that you pull them into the one picture so you do know what you've got. Uh, so it's about having a specific focus, specific period of time where you um, go and track down those lost pensions. And we've got we've got a date for National Pension Tracing Day. This year, it's the 31st of October. It's the day the clocks go back. So it's all about using that extra hour to go and hunt down those pensions, become part of the National Pension Treasure Hunt. Okay, and that's next time on, uh, on this podcast. Now, each week so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So, Phil, today, workplace pensions, what have you got on that? Yeah, the, well, the, the business I own 
as a workplace pension scheme. We, we also use something called salary sacrifice to boost the amounts being paid into the staff. So not only have they got the, the contributions that, that would usually be going in, we, we managed to, to kind of top that up a wee bit more as well. But salary sacrifice, probably a, a podcast for another episode somewhere down the line as well. I'm sure that's a, a subject Robert knows quite a bit about as well, being in the workplace pension area. Yeah, so I, I, that's kind of my main experience of, of workplace pensions. And Phil, we always do this bit as well. You, you find inspiration, I know, through various people you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on workplace pensions? Yeah, the, the quote of the week this week is from M.K. Sony. Retire from work, but not from life. Now, uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with uh, your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. As always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in just a sec. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. I received notification recently that the energy suppliers with had gone bust and that the regulator Ofgem was uh, obligated to find me another supplier. Can you tell me if Ofgem is required by law to find me a like for like or better deal than I was on? And if not, am I required by law to remain with this new company or can I search elsewhere for another better deal myself? I would say the, the first thing that's important to note is that if, if your energy provider goes bust, you'll still receive gas and electricity. So that, that's probably the, the first thing to note there. Your account's moved to a new supplier by the energy regulator off GEM. One, one of the things there is you can't choose the provider and you could end up on a more expensive tariff. However, if that happens, that's when you should be really reviewing your, your kind of energy bills. And I, I would urge people to review them regularly anyway. The, the cost of energy has been, been rising. Gas and electricity has been going up quite a bit recently. So it's always good to, to kind of have a look at that. And I, I always say use an, an off-gem approved comparison website to, to have a look at the, the cost for that. So but to answer that question, yeah, it could end up on a more expensive tariff. Okay, but you are then free to move to another better deal, yeah. should you choose. Good. Okay, uh, next one's from Helen in Thursa. Helen says, hi, Phil. It's become a joke now with all the local banks closing branches. Here in Thursa, we feel very isolated. Uh, and some more of our elderly community who don't have access to or the knowledge to get and operate online are literally unable to do any banking or financial transactions at all. Do you know if there's any way around this? Wow. It's, you know, it's it's a shame just now because you're you're seeing more and more banks closing local branches. I know up in Caithness, the, the Clydesdale Bank in Thurso closed a few years ago. You, you then had to go to WIC um, and the Clydesdale Bank became Virgin, which they've just announced recently that that's going to be closing as well. So it is a shame, especially for people in more remote areas because you're seeing all these banks closing down. But one thing I would say for, for the Keith Ness area is that Phil Anderson Financial Services are actively looking for a, an office, probably in the centre of WIC, although I wouldn't rule out WIC and Thurzo. Um, ideally, I would love to have a, an office in, in each of those towns because I think up there, there, there is such a need for financial services. And it's a shame that, that it used to be in the past that the banks were often where people would go for for that, but when it comes to to kind of day to day banking, I mean, some people will do online banking is becoming more popular all the time. But I know some people prefer to actually go in. And but I would say or would suggest is 
the, the post office is maybe worth a, a look. Um, I know there they do everyday banking and they've got facilities where you can pay in checks, withdraw money, check your balance. So maybe worth calling in at your local post office to, to see if, if you've no other local banks that you can, can speak to there. I'm just thinking if you're in Wick or Thurso, probably the nearest bank that I could guarantee in it would be Inverness. And that's about a two mile, uh, two hour trip away, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's just, I mean, you you've st- you do still have some other banks. So at the minute there is still other banks in, in each of those towns, but people don't want to be changing bank regularly, but who knows what will it be like in five years, 10 years time. By that time, probably very few mm-hmm. banks in that in places like that. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future episode. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You've got all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks very much for coming on, Robert. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Good fun, guys. Mm-hmm.